the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back and happy Monday, August 21st, 2023. Hope you all had a good weekend. David, I know uh, I know you had at least a good Saturday night. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, first, let me talk about this. Let me give the phone number, 602 508 0960-602-508-0960. I had a piece published in the uh, National Edition of the Washington Times today. Uh, it's called Stop the Continuing Slaughter. You can get it at washtimes.com, or we'll probably put it out on Twitter a little bit later. The use and abuse of illegal and dangerous drugs is at a crisis moment in America. It is made doubly worse by our apathy to and coddling of it. To give a sense of the enormity of this crisis, consider that over 110,000 Americans died from such drug use, such poisoning, last year. The bulk of those deaths were of Americans under the age of 50. In fact, more Americans under the age of 50 died from drug poisonings last year than all Americans under the age of 50 died from COVID in three years. More adolescents died from drug poisonings last year than all children from COVID in three years. If we need a visual, consider two commercial airlines crashing into each other every single day in America. Take the largest football stadium in North America at the University of Michigan. It still seats fewer Americans than died from illegal and dangerous drugs last year. It's not just a crisis or an epidemic. It's a mowing down. In fact, it's a slaughter. Now, today is National Fentanyl Prevention and Awareness Day. Did you know that? And it will not receive much attention. And another 300 Americans will die from drug poisoning, as will another 300 tomorrow and the next day. We are nowhere near solving this crisis, and it has been steadily increasing each year. Were young Americans dying from COVID at these rates, our country's hair would be on fire, just as it was on fire over COVID, which never approached these death rates. While there has been more attention put on fentanyl recently, and fentanyl constitutes the majority of these drug deaths, it was meth and heroin and cocaine before that. And we are seeing rising rates of those drugs coming back as well, just as we are seeing deaths from marijuana laced with all of these drugs. And there are new dangerous drugs coming into use as well. Few have heard of Captagon, and a year ago almost nobody heard of Xylazine, or Trank, which turns living humans into zombies. As one user put it, quote, you do a shot and you just crumble where you're at. When you wake up, you can't move, close quote. While the overwhelming focus on the drug problem in America, when there is focus, is on fentanyl, it is a mistake to ignore all other dangerous and illegal drug use, from marijuana to those most haven't even heard of. As William Shakespeare put it, the worst is not, so long as we can say this is the worst. But perhaps a line of Arthur Miller's is more urgently needed today. Attention must be paid. When this country wants to bring or pay attention to a problem, it certainly knows how to do so. 
The COVID years are public, public health exhibit number one. Drunk driving and cigarettes are public health exhibits two and three. Nobody escaped a saturation of messaging and more, much more, on these public health crises. While the other major efforts dealing with the drug crisis today feature in fund addiction treatment and the distribution of poisoning reversal drugs like Narcan, there are even more nefarious efforts at work as well. Major cities are giving drug paraphernalia away and even promoting drug use with public service announcements and displays to young Americans, telling them this, quote, if you do plan to use, start with a small dose and go slowly, close quote. That's in New York City. If you do plan to use, start with a small dose and go slowly. Just imagine a drunk driving campaign that said, if you plan to drink and drive, drink only a little at first and drive slowly and consider consider eating a meal first. For its part, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, let us not forget that is the official name, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, states on its website its own concept of public health by instructing drug users to avail themselves of fentanyl strips. So as to quote, this is on the CDC website, quote, detect the presence of fentanyl in all different kinds of drugs, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, etc., and drug forms, pills, powder, and injectables, close quote. In other words, use something to make sure your cocaine and meth and heroin use is safe and pure. Why not make it easier yet and just distribute highly purified cocaine and meth and heroin with an FDA approval label? As for Narcan, it is a necessary tool, sadly, but it is the ambulance at the end of a car wreck, a last-ditch emergency effort after a trauma or a traumatic event. Sometimes it will work, sometimes it will not, and it won't even touch certain drugs like xylazine or Trank, the zombie drug I mentioned earlier. May I submit to the court of public opinion that we accept public health exhibit number four, real prevention. It has worked before, just as it worked with forest fires, just as it worked with drunk driving, just as it worked with cigarette smoking, all of which have been dramatically reduced due to pervasive and serious messaging. When our drug crisis was at its previous peak in the early 1980s, prevention messaging was everywhere, from television to radio to Hollywood to professional athletics. And we reduced drug use in this country by over 60%. People say you can't do it. We did it. The theoretical has been proven by the actual. Since then, we gave up. This should astound you. We were losing about 5,000 Americans a year due to drug poisonings in the early 1990s. Today, our country has grown by about 30% in population, but drug poisoning deaths have increased by over 2,000%. So, a few of us are trying to do something about it. We're commencing a serious social media advertising campaign to awaken our country from its lethal slumber and to recreate in the modern media age what we did so well not so long ago, real prevention. Let us now at long last all take arms against the slaughter, and by opposing it the way we know how, when we are serious and want to, end it. That's my piece in uh, today's Washington Times. Um, I woke up this morning to you know, a few social media posts about this being National Fentanyl Awareness and Prevention Day. 
And I kind of wanted to ask how many people saw anything about it today. Just another airy abstraction that won't do much. Look, it's important people know about it, obviously. But I didn't see much on TV about it. I didn't see that much on social media about it either after 9 a.m., after the first press releases went out from the organizations and the federal government. And when you look at what the federal and state and local governments are doing about this, as I said, they're making it worse. They are promoting use. They are promoting drug use. That's their concept of public health. It's put under the name of various things, like harm reduction, but these are Orwellian names that are creating more and more harm. Take a look at the major cities in this country. Take a look at the death toll. It's time we recreate and do what worked. Got it down by over 60%. That is a victory of public policy by any standard or by any measure. Think about if we could have gotten or if we could get fatherlessness down, or welfare down, or anything down by 60%. Chronic homelessness, poverty, you name it. There'd be ticker tape parades, and there would be forever books and essays on all of it. We did it with drugs. But you know, there's this weird bodily autonomy, there's this weird issue and notion in the public health fields these days that's more than about just appeasement and bodily autonomy. It's in a very, 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 very perverse way. It's about not just really encouragement, but enabling. Enabling. That's what we're doing. And every year, the numbers grow. My point is they don't have to. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. There's so much to say about that. Gosh, I love that. Eddie Rabbit doing a Clint Eastwood movie. Heard a great Clint Eastwood story the other day. How old is he now? Is he, He's over 90, isn't he? He's well, got, let's find out. Yeah, there's no reason not to know. I think he's – I could be wrong. I thought he was over 90. Uh, let's see. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He's 93 years old. You and got it faster than I did. <laughs> it's the one skill I got in high school, David. Do you know that? How to search on the internet? No, no. <laughs> typing. Typing. Uh, it, it was the best class I took in all of high school. There's that great line in Kodachrome from Paul Simon. When I think back on all that, you know what I learned in high school, it's a, amazing. I can think it all. I think that's the lyric. It's, you know, you may want to go out with it. Kodachrome. But anyway, the one thing I did learn in high school was to type. I'm a pretty fast typist. I, th- I think I was timed. I mean, it's not professional level, but I think I was timed at 135, one point, 135 a minute, which I think is good, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, oh, Clint Eastwood, right, 93 years old. Um, he was asked, someone asked him in some interview, they asked him, uh, how does he, you know, continue on and be so active at this age? He says, well, I wake up in the morning and I just say to myself, don't let the old man in. Maybe we could all think about whatever it is that our burdens are. Maybe first thing in the morning we wake up, don't let the whatever it is in, darkness, depression, who knows, whatever yeah. it is, hunger, hunger. <laughs> laziness, <laughs> what, what, uh, uh, you know, uh, stalling or, you know, hypochondria, whatever it is, don't let it 
Don't let it in. All right, John is in Peoria. Hi, John. Seth, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm hanging in there, buddy. Good. I hope you had hey, a good listen. weekend. Yes, sir. I'm sorry I didn't catch that. I just said I hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, thank you for, uh, I mean, it may sound like a losing battle, but you know what I did for the most of I, I, I know what you did, and you are a hero to me and a lot of families, and you saved a well, lot of thank you, 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 buddy. Saved, you saved a lot of lives. Well, I, you know what? I look back on my life. I just look back on my career, I should say, and reminisce. I, and I do say that to myself. I don't like to toot my own horn. No, but it's all right. At least you, I you, helped you, a little bit. No, you did. And you will be told, well done, my good and faithful servant, I have no doubt. Oh, thank you, buddy. It's going to make me cry here. But anyhow, no, I wanted to just thank you. I, I, it, it's so, um, how can I say, it's so opportune uh, that I tuned in. Uh, I try to tune in a lot of times, but I tuned in today uh, when I was coming home from the doc's office. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that you're still fighting the good fight, you know. It, it gives me a good feeling because sometimes, it, it, you know, there are times when it seems like, uh, God, you know, it's a hopeless battle, and, you know, especially when they're doing, uh, you know, they're promoting marijuana now, and people don't realize, but I've even seen, there, there's another encouraging sign, I've even seen in some lib uh, uh, publications where they're saying, hey, wait a minute with this marijuana. Oh, wow, 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 yes, yeah, I just saw, someone just sent to me today um a los angeles times series titled legal weed broken promises a times series on the fallout of legal pot in california now what's interesting to me about that john is we didn't have to do this we didn't have to go through the wreckage to get that la times series a lot of us wrote op-eds about it a lot of us wrote journals about it a lot of us wrote essays about this is not a good idea not at all but Excellent. you know the right. the science uh, the political the politics was way ahead of the science as is too often the case and people you know they wanted to engage in you know in this stuff and uh, make a lot of people made a lot of money you know how that works too um, you know as as Rep Butler said what people forget is that it's just as easy making money tearing down society as building it up and a lot of people are making a lot of money tearing down society. And, and what they're doing, Seth, is it's almost demonic, is they're trying to increase the potency of this marijuana to such a degree that now they're having so many more emergency room visits because people are having psychotic breaks. I, I want people to look that up. ED visit or emergency department visits marijuana. It, the numbers are astounding. You talk to people that say, oh, well, you know, that's just, uh, you know, reefer madness. No, 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 it isn't. It's a different drug than it was when we were in high school or college, John. It's a totally different drug than it was then. Its potency has been cranked up beyond beyond numbers people can handle. And especially when they consume edibles, you know, it takes a little while. This is this. I'm, I'm doing this not because you don't know. I'm doing this for people who might be in the audience that don't know especially with their children. You consume these edibles, these candies or suckers or chocolates or whatever, 
it takes a while for the effect to take place. It takes a while for the psychoactive ingredient of THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, to take place, some 30 to 45 minutes. Now, when you're trying to get high, what do you do while you're waiting 30 or 45 minutes? You take more of it. Exactly right. Exactly right. And and this is why we have now not just drunk driving, but drugged driving. This is why we don't just have emergency department uh, visits for a broken arm, but for, yes, these psychotic breaks that are taking place. You're absolutely right, John. And anytime we have a chance to help educate the community on it, I think it's a good one. Um, It's not something we can give up on. You can never give up on this thing. Not everyone wants to do it. It's something I happen to know a thing or two about, so I'm happy to do it. And God bless you for doing that. One quick thing before I leave you, uh, just that you could discuss this with your buddy Weigert. He's really such a small, a smart man, unbelievably smart. But on the Ukraine war, Politico had, I think, just the last couple of days, they had a story saying even Millie comes out, well, maybe they should be negotiating. I don't know if you saw that story. Oh, no, but I will. I'll look it up over the break. I, I will. Mark Millie said it now needs to be negotiated. Yeah, maybe we should. I think uh, maybe maybe we should think about negotiating. But then I think he got scolded by some Ukrainian, and then oh, let me take that statement back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not on talking point with what Joe Biden has been saying. But then again, he's not on talking point with what he had been saying. You may recall before the invasion, he was talking about small incursions we could tolerate. So, you know, this was all another crisis like the one we talked about in California a moment ago that could have been avoided. All of this was avoidable. You know, you remember what Churchill said to Roosevelt about what they would be naming their war? Remember what Churchill said? The unnecessary war, because it didn't have to happen. Exactly. Bless you, sir. Thank you, You bet. You bet. You bet. Sail on. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. John Dombrowski, he is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. You can go to his website at grandcanyonplanning.com to learn more about him and his whole team. Good way to reach him. John, it's good to have you back. You took a little bit of a breather there, huh? I did. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, too. I hope you got some well-deserved and needed rest. I did. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, a couple stories I wanted to uh, highlight with the audience, with your expertise, if I might. First, mm-hmm. over at um, excuse me, CNBC, mortgage rates hit their highest point since 2000. Talk to us. Yeah. Uh, wow. 30-year fixed mortgage hitting 7.48%. Yeah. Um, now, for those of us who maybe have a little bit of, I'll call it wisdom and age behind us, uh, we we know that 7.48% was probably a lot lower than what our first mortgage was at mm-hmm. back in the day. But, uh, you know, what we're used to today are a lot lower rates than that. And it is making it very difficult for many people at this point uh, to be able to decide, hey, I'd like to sell the home I'm in right now to maybe move to another home that's more uh, in line with what our needs are for our housing. Uh, but people are, again, handcuffed in a low rate possibly on their existing home. And for them to sell that house and move into something new at a much higher rate right now is is, is very difficult to swallow. So uh, it's creating a bit of a challenge. Uh, I, I don't think that this is something that's going to, again, last for a very long period of time. But 
you know, these higher rates are probably going to be with us through the end of the year, and we may not really start to see some real impact of lowering these rates until uh, early next year or mid-next year. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of tied to this other piece that uh, was in the Wall Street Journal uh, today from uh, a Jason Furman, who's a professor, uh, I think is he at MIT or Harvard, I'm not sure which, I don't remember, but former head of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, when he was saying the Fed should carefully aim for a higher inflation target. Uh, you saw this, the Fed has appropriately focused on a single objective, getting inflation right. down. The war isn't won, the hardest of battles may be ahead. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing how uh, you know the terms that they use are sticky, right? Yeah, right. How sticky inflation mm-hmm. is, and it is true. We're we're seeing uh, the possibility of uh, a little bit of a resurgence, even though we have seen a continuing decline, which has been good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think really what I kind of gleaned out of this is that you know the Fed, if they're going to come up with a policy, you know, in this article they're saying stick to that policy. Yeah. You know, to to keep your credibility, um, don't waver. Uh, but, you know, the public out there is, is nervous about this, and uh, they don't like to hear all the negative news. They want to hear some positive things. And I think sometimes, you know, our government has a way of trying to put a positive spin on things, even if things aren't as positive yeah, as, yeah. as maybe they, yeah. you think they are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even though inflation has come down, uh, it's a long way from uh, the 2% inflation target, which is what the Fed has had. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think... If they could raise that a bit to that three, three and a half, or even four, uh, and let that float in that range for a while, I think that we probably could, uh, just because of the strength of our economy. And again, I have to reiterate, and I, I stress this with my own practice here and with my clients, that there is nothing, uh, you know, as strong as the U.S. economy. Right. When you look at other economies around the sure. world, there's this fear about China and how they're going to, you know, overrun us as far as their uh, economy is. And no, they're not doing very well. Uh, we are outperforming China. And I'm, uh, you know, still a believer that the U.S. Uh, is still a place to be investing right now. Yeah. And I and I want to be that theoretical optimist with you, too. I'll tell you, when I read about that mortgage, uh, record mortgage rate, yeah. 7.4% highest in 23 years. You know, I worry a little bit about the other side of the economy that we used to talk about, you know, the ownership society that we try to mm. create in people as opposed to a yeah. dependence and rent and borrow society. I, I just worry about that. I mean, it's making it harder for people. It's Definitely it, is know, making it hard. But yeah. I would say this, Seth, for yeah. a long period of time, we did have those low rates. Yeah. And uh, many people were able to take advantage yeah. of that. But we did not have the wage uh, inflation. That's true. That we did then. So people are still trying to catch up because inflation is outpacing. Yeah. Uh, wages right now. Yep. So it, it's a challenge. It's You're a, right. That's it, definitely it's an, an unseen issue. tax hike, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. Yes. JD, it's nice to have you back, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Securities and advisory services offer the Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. Talk Thank to you. you soon. You betcha. Yep. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Speaking of some great music, David, I teased the audience by saying, I know you had a good Saturday night. Uh, tell them, tell them what you did Saturday night. Oh, we, uh, we, both of us went out to the Sonus Brothers concert at yeah. ASU Kerr that we were promoting uh, for the past couple of weeks. We had 
both Dimitri and Thano on air with us, uh, I think last Friday and last Monday, and this was the concert that they were promoting. It was a great time. They played some of their old uh, hits from their childhood, Yeah. and they brought in some guest artists as well and did some new stuff, uh, French music too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good, huh? Um, it was um, it was actually warm. It was beautiful and warm and uh, packed in- house, intimate, yeah. packed house. Just the kind of music that kind of enters your heart and soul. I saw you, sh- you sh- shake, you know, dancing a little in your seat there. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I got up and I did the um, who, who's the David Doll shuffle. No, no, I'm trying. What is the? Um, did you do the dance move from? Uh, from, Zorba, uh, Zorba, that's it, that's the word. Oh, were you doing I Zorba? Doing Zorba the Greek. I yes, couldn't yes. tell if you were doing Zorba the Greek, or if you were doing, uh, 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 if you were doing Picnic, the dance from Picnic. Oh yeah, we talked about that. William we? Holden's Picnic. It's yeah. a great movie. Yeah, great. I. Uh, you, it was so weird. It's a movie. Nineteen fifty-five. Nineteen fifty-five. It's such an. I'd never seen it, and in within two. 48, within a 48-hour period, both you and Hugh Hallman told me I needed to see it just for that dance scene. Yeah, that's the best scene in the movie. William I mean, Holden William and Holden Kim Novak. William a man who's yeah. 20 years his junior. Yeah. Kim Novak playing, nat- playing her natural brunette hair yeah. 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 without the platinum blonde that she was more famous for right. in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, more Auburn than brunette, I would say. <laughs> but that dance scene could change your life. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I. I, I wish I could dance like that. That yeah, dance yeah. scene could change your life. Hoagie Carmichael once said that um, listening to four notes of Bix Beiderbeck could change your life. And I thought, well, that may have been an overstatement. But, uh, <laughs> but, but boy, that dance scene, watching that, you'll never not see it. You'll never not it's, see it. It's, it's beautiful. The real standout for that film was uh, the teenage uh, sister. Strasberg. Yes, yes. Lee's daughter. Yes, that's right. Was it Susan? And uh, uh, and one of the teachers, I don't know if you recognize one of the teacher actors in the movie, actresses in the movie. Rosalind Russell? No, not her, the, oh. but her friends who came over at the end. No, I don't. Was, you will when you go back and look, was one of the uh, nannies in Mary Poppins that quits yes, yes, at the I beginning. Did, I, did see I that think one. she was yes. Katie Nana or something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. 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 Fun cast, but what, I, I and the ages, the, man. The, the, the did people. you catch Cliff Robertson yeah. was in there? Yeah. Was probably a very, very young. Maybe yeah. one of his first pictures. PT one hundred nine himself. Picnic, hell of a production. Kind of gives you a weird emotional. I it was mean, in the top ten uh, highest grossing films of nineteen fifty five. Is that right? Two Academy Awards. Yeah. yeah. Well, that dance scene, Moon Glow, uh, reminded me a lot of uh, growing up in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it takes place in Kansas, though, yeah. I think. Yeah. We didn't exactly, you know, go out on the lawns yeah. and do things like that. But yeah. just the, the scenery, the The, the Labor Day attitude. picnic. I mean, that was yeah, a heck of was... a—do they still have picnics like that? It was picnics. more than a picnic. <sighs> no. I mean, that was a real fair. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a whole event. That yeah. was a whole thing. Yeah. All right. I wanted to thank you for all of that. Uh, oh, yeah, see, you, you, you culturally enriched and ennobled me. I did not know that movie. You well, and you, Hallman. You, you saw the whole Maybe movie. you and Hallman should talk about I, it tomorrow. I screened it this weekend after yeah. you told me you were watching it yeah, as well. You, you yeah, you watched yeah. it a second time? Yeah. I could watch that dance scene for the rest of my life. The rest of the movie, it's good, but it's I used to have uh, uh, an, a, a picture of William Holden in that famous scene where he gets his shirt torn off yeah. up on my wall because I had the album tacked to my wall. And the album for the soundtrack to this movie, which is uh, Morris Storloff, I yeah. want to think, yeah. um, 
has the picture of William Holden with his shirt. Do you realize Kim Novak was Kim Novak then is your age today? Yeah, that, that, doesn't that make you're, me you're really gonna angry. leave, aren't you? <laughs> you're gonna, gonna leave and get a screen test. <laughs> yeah. All right, I wanted to talk about something kind of serious here um, and interesting. I was talking on a phone call with a bunch of uh, political theorists and wise educators this morning. You know, we talked about this last week over at ASU, which began classes this week. There was the Student Socialist Students for Socialist Revolution Club. Uh, held a table and a recruitment uh, table uh, out at ASU uh, last week with a big banner. It's a picture of Karl Marx. There's a hammer and sickle, and it says, Join the Communists, Students for Socialist Revolution. And there's some there's a lot of interesting points to be made about this. I like what our friend Owen Anderson wrote about it, and I'll get to that in a moment. But before I get to that, you know, it just I was talking with some folks— Oh, yeah. Listen, here's – can I – yeah, I can do this. Here's one of the students making a Twitter promotion for their club. See if I can get this here. Hi, I'm Comrade Earl with the International Marxist Tendency here in Phoenix. We'd like to welcome ASU's new class by telling you about some events we're hosting throughout the semester. On August 29th, we have our first event called Why We Are Communists, about why we turned to communism in the first place. Our second event is September 19th called Marxism versus Eiffel, about how we should be organized as working class rather than divided on basis of our identity. And then on October 3rd, we have an event called What is Bolshevism that talks about our organization, our tactics, and continuing the unbroken thread. And this all ends on November 4 through 5 that weekend with the Phoenix Marxist School. We're going to see comrades from across the country come to just Phoenix to talk about Marxism, leftism, and if you're a communist, you should get organized. But you shouldn't wait just until those events, right? Reach out to us now through the link in bio or we table three times a week at ASU. We'll love to meet you and you should get organized. Cheerful young college student promoting all the virtues of Marxism, introducing herself as Comrade, whatever her name was. I missed her name. It went by too fast. Comrade L or something like that. And, um, you know, it reminded me of a point Christopher Hitchens made in his political autobiography, Hitch 22. Uh, I pulled it up here. He said, it dawns on me when we call each other Comrade that we're referring tenderly to something on the Marxist left, which is actually quite toxic and doesn't really have a comparison to it when it comes to the Nazis. No one goes around uh, speaking of what were what would be the equivalent Vulcan Volksgenos, I think Volksgenos was the would have been the German term for the fascist fellow fascist members. No one talks that way about Nazism, nor should they, obviously. And if they did, it would be probably front page headline news everywhere if a student organization did that. Why the calm, why the insouciant, why the bliss and peacefulness over something like communism that was so much more the lethal by arithmetic factors and deadly. It's, it's, it's a curiosity of our time I'd like to think about with you all more. Are you going out with Boring Moon Glow? You want to do the dance? Yeah, I'm not dancing. No. 
Thank you. Only if I lead. What, no. Yeah, that was a line in there. That's right. We'll be right back. How do you think the Biden administration's handling the economy? You have the inflation we were talking about earlier with John. You have a possible recession on the horizon. You have stock market volatility. You have bank failures. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Why refi has that very investment. There are no fees in the secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, Y-Refi, and Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-Refi-34. That's 888-Y-Refi-34. Y-Refi is local. They encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. No one will give you a sales pitch. But when you do meet with the folks there at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. David Dahl, you were making an interesting point on the break. You want to share it with the audience? You bet. I noticed something in particular in this speech that she gave. There's a recruiting video. She says Bolshevism. Yeah. And and most uh, communists, so-called communists nowadays, uh, tend to say that, oh, they didn't do it right in the Soviet Union when you point out the millions and millions of people that have been killed in communist Mm -hmm. regimes in Laos, China, Mm -hmm. the Soviet Union. They say, oh, well, they didn't do do it quite right. And in a sense, it's one of those uh, saying the quiet part out loud moments where she's she's all in with the Russian stuff, the same movements that Lenin and Trotsky and Stalin murdered. It's a a hugely important point. No, it's a hugely important point. Not only does the flag have a picture of Karl Marx, it has a hammer and sickle, which was the flag of the Soviet Union and mm-hmm. other communist countries. And you're right. She says Bolshevism. Yeah, join- Marxism is, you know, Cuban, Venezuela. Right, right. Join, join the Bolshevism. Yeah. So this argument, when we right. point out the failures of the Soviet Union, please understand, they don't see it. They're now promoting it. And the lie was given to that, by the way, a long time ago. They st- I think they stopped saying it with the advent of Bernie Sanders. Because remember, Bernie Sanders came back and sanitized the Soviet Union, too. He was saying bread lines were good. He was saying it was one of his best trips. He wouldn't visit Solzhenitsyn, who lived in his own state. When he was mayor of Burlington, Solzhenitsyn lived in Vermont. He did not go, whatever, an hour and a half to go see Solzhenitsyn. He flew, what, 5,000 miles to the Soviet Union to, take a honeymoon. to like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And you wonder why I worry about young people. Yes, we need to talk more about that, too. This is not the first person that I've met in real life mm-hmm. that says they are a labor activist yeah. or a social activist. We're losing our kids here. We're losing them. We're losing them. We've got to get them back. This is a campaign for our children, which I think is the subtitle of Kurt Vonnegut's famous book, right? The Fight for Our Children, The Campaign for Our Children, The Children's Crusade. That's what it was. We need a new children's crusade. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.